You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Yes, at that time of the evening where we join you all on our, your favorite medical program, Medical Files on the platforms of Marcus Sahaba, the voice of Ahl-Sunnah wal Jama'ah. And Alhamdulillah, joining us this evening is my favorite, your favorite, and I tell you the Ummah's favorite family physician, our very own Dr. Farooq Hafiji. Dr. Farooq, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And tell me how you're doing this fine, beautiful Wednesday evening. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa and to your listeners. Yes, alhamdulillah. Uh, surprisingly, we're having very good weather this time of the year. It's June, uh, end of June now, and we are still having uh, lovely days. To, you know, it's not so cold. It's, it's cold, but not that cold. Alhamdulillah, very good. You know, Doctor, uh, we've been talking for many years on radio, and Alhamdulillah, you and I, just before going on air, we remembered uh, Marhum uh, Ibrahim Gengit, Raymullah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala feliz, covered with nur. And you know, before you got on radio, you were a very popular guest of his on medical issues, he used to come on Sabal Khair. And you know, perhaps before going into the broadcasting side of it, Doctor, you know, you are a senior family physician. Where did you study, and uh, you know, when did you uh, uh, get your... Your, your, your qualifications, maybe a little of a bit of history that the Ummah needs to know because you've been talking to us, but no one knows the other side of, you know, where you studied and uh, where you qualified, Doc. Yes, I, I, I did my high school in Portchefson High, uh, and then I came to Durban, and uh, I, I studied at the University of Natal Medical School at that time is called. Now it's called um, University of KwaZulu-Natal um, uh, Nelson Mandela School of Medicine, but at that time it used to be called University of Natal Medical School. And that's where I studied. Uh, and I've stayed uh, in this area, of, um, you know, uh, then I, uh, until I uh, uh, went into private practice in Newcastle. So, Alhamdulillah, you were in Newcastle also, and uh, you qualified. And uh, where you, uh, you know, you the first batch of medical students uh, that studied uh, at that time at the, the University of Natal. No, no, no. I wasn't. I wasn't the first batch. I was uh, ooh, maybe four, four, uh, The first batch came in 1956, I think. So, we, we and I, I started in 1963. So. Um, I was about seven years after the medical school started that, that I went to medical school. Yeah, and then uh, we found that uh, many of our earlier batches that um, perhaps didn't make it for uh, Natal uh, went overseas. I mean, most of them uh, uh, studied in Dublin, you know, like Anuma late and Safura Dular Khan was there, Dr. M.M. M. Jadwood, all came from that part of it, uh, Dr. Rawls and so forth. They all were there, Dr. Harbi. All uh, no, Arbi went to India, but um, many went to Dublin. What was the reason for going to Dublin? Was it uh, cheaper or was was it more accessible, Doctor? Uh, doc, uh, seems like we have a Doctor. Are you there? Okay, we uh, try and get a hold of our Doctor Farooq Hafiji. In the meantime, the engineers are working on that, and uh, let's see if a Doctor will come on. Uh, doc, are you there? Okay, we seem to have lost our Doctor in transit, and Inshallah, what we will do. We'll uh, we'll try and sort that out, and maybe yeah, let's hold this and see what we can do. Okay, we have lost uh, Dr. Farooq Afiji. I can tell you the gremlins were just setting in here, there, and everywhere. But Alhamdulillah, we have uh, sorted that out. Yes, sir, Doc. You know, we were always uh, uh, talking about uh, uh, going to uh, doctors went to Dublin and India, so forth. What was the reason for them going there? Was it uh, cheaper, or was it because they didn't get uh, seats at the Natal School or uh, medical school, uh, Doctor? At that time, we had a close connection. South Africa had a close connection with uh, Europe, with the uh, with the UK and uh, Ireland. Uh, and so the Irish degree was recognized in South Africa as a, as a medical degree. So when pe- if people qualified in Ireland, they didn't have to come back here and do another exam. So that's the reason why people at that time opted to go to Ireland to go and study. But the pe- some people went to India as well. There quite a few people went to India as well because there were some Indian universities which were acceptable. Manipal is one of them that was accepted as a uh, as as a uh, authentic medical school, which uh, which was um, uh, recognized by South Africa. Uh, but then it, all that changed after a while, and South Africa stopped recognizing any 
overseas university because of uh, differences in curriculum. Uh, the, the curricula changed uh, in different universities according to the requir requirements of that country. And so it, it, it wasn't suitable for the South African environment. Therefore, the South African medical uh, authorities, uh, South African Medical Dental Council, uh, decided at that time to, to, to say that all medical students qualifying outside South Africa must write an exam here. Uh, and, and because of the differences in different countries and uh, the studies according to uh, the, the patterns of diseases and illnesses in that country. So uh, that, that's the reason why now at the moment anybody comes from anywhere, whether you, are, you come from America or Australia, New Zealand or, or India or Ireland or wherever, you have to write an exam here uh, and know the local conditions uh, that, are, uh, that are predominant in this country. Absolutely brilliant. And uh, Jazakallah Khair for sharing that with us. And Doc, uh, getting back to reality, and uh, we're seeing death all around us. And, you know, um, the anecdote of Hazrat Ali radiallahu says, the forgetfulness of uh, death is the rust of thy heart. But we cannot every second, we have lost some of us, lost the very close family members. May Allah subhanahu wa grant them all. Jannatul Firdos. Doctor, in uh, your practice uh, for so many years, have you ever seen anything like this? What is going around us, uh, Doc? No. No, this is unprecedented, uh, and uh, you know I, I'm 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 just shocked at some people who still say that this they what is this virus? We can't see this virus. There's no such thing as a virus. This is a a conspiracy with with the, with the governments of the world trying one one world order and trying to kill us. And uh, you know it's it's absolutely ridiculous, and it's and it's really pathetic to think like that because uh, everybody is struggling to come to terms with this virus. No, nobody expected this uh, to happen in such a in such a devastating way. We always expected a virus to to come up at some stage. In fact, from about two thousand and five, two thousand and six, uh, we were expecting a pandemic at that time, and that was because of the avian flu. I don't know if you remember uh, that uh, there was a scare in in, in China again, uh, where uh, the the flu that that is found in birds. Uh, uh, got into got into the chicken in in uh, China, and from the chicken it got into people Chinese who were looking after the chicken, and they became very sick with it. It was called the avian flu, and there was a scare that uh, if if uh, this was this persisted, uh, this uh, virus causing the avian flu would go all around the world, causing a pandemic. And the way it will go is by bird migration. And as the birds migrate and mix with the chickens in the different parts of the world, uh, you would get avian flu spreading all over and then spreading from the chicken and from the birds into humans and create a, a devastation. But they managed to get it under control. Uh, uh, China managed to get that under control, so it didn't spread from there. Even up to now, People are worried about the, the avian flu, and any any chicken or any chicken that's found with the avian flu, they keep testing them all over the world. Every chicken that's found uh, uh, with the avian flu, they actually cull the whole lot. They kill all the chicken because they don't want the virus to spread amongst the chicken. And you will hear from time to time that the avian flu was found in in chicken in certain country, and they had to kill the whole lot uh, to stop that virus from spreading. So we knew it from the 2005, 2006, that, that there is a very great possibility that we are going to get a pandemic, and we're just waiting to see what kind of pandemic it was. We, uh, the medical, the scientists were actually looking at the flu rather than the coronavirus. But then we had a small one uh, in 2000, I think, or 2010, uh, where, where the coronavirus started in, uh, uh, in, in Saudi Arabia. Uh, and that, that was called the MERS, the Middle East uh, Respiratory Virus. Uh, virus. Uh, that, that started uh, Middle East uh, Respiratory Syndrome, M-E-R-S. Uh, and that started, and again, that was quite serious because it, it was killing about, uh, about 10% or 8% of, of the people who got it. 8% uh, or 10% of the people who got the disease died. Uh, that means if from uh, 100 people who died, eight or ten of um, from 100 people who got the disease, eight or ten of them would have died. So again, 
Saudi Arabia managed to get that under control before it spread out of Saudi Arabia. There was another one as well that came in about 2012 uh, in China, and then they managed to get that under control as well. That was also a coronavirus. Um, and again, that was not as devastating as this one. Uh, and then suddenly this one this one appeared, whether it was made in the factory, whether it was made in the laboratory, whether it was passed on from whoever, we don't have to worry about it. This is all coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. See how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has controlled the whole world with this one virus. Uh, and, and so, you know, coming back to what you are saying, we must accept that this is a virus that's creating the problem. It's not nothing. It's not something that's... Uh, that's that's and, and and people say that it's just like the flu. It is not like the flu. We've had flu for every year. We've had flu for the last fifty years. But have we in our lifetime have janazas fifteen, twenty in Indonesia and one day? Uh, just think about it. We've never had the situation before. So it is not just like the flu. This is another mistake people are making. Oh, the, the, this, this COVID-19 is just like the flu. We don't have to worry about it. Um, but, but you see, you see what's happening. We're getting 100, 200, 250 deaths a day in South Africa uh, from this virus. That has never happened with the flu before. So we must take this virus very seriously. Allah Ta'ala has sent it. We need to ask ourselves, why has Allah Ta'ala sent it? What do we need to do uh, to, to, to satisfy Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so he, so he protects us and our families and our loved ones? Yes, sir, Doc. You know, also uh, people are talking, and this is uh, quite vociferous, as they say, and the Delta strain, emotional drain, and mental pain. And, you know, forget the mental pain, lots of deaths. Mm. Uh, your reaction to the Delta strain and emotional drain and the mental pain, Doc? Yes, uh, the Delta strain uh, originated in uh, India. Uh, so we had the uh, we had the Beta strain, which which was which originated in the Eastern Cape, and that was much more severe uh, than the first strain that appeared in March, April last year. Uh, that's the first batch of coronavirus. Viruses always mutate. Every virus mutates. Uh, even the flu virus mutates, and that's the reason why we have to have a flu vaccine every year, uh, because of the of the change in the variant of the flu virus. It change, they change, and the reason why they change is that they try and they need to survive. So what they do is they need to try and make themselves spread faster. That's what they do. They they they, they change so that they can get onto the host a bit faster and spread the disease quicker. Uh, and in that way, they can survive. Otherwise, they won't survive. So it's a so so the, the 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 beta strain which we had starting in the Eastern Cape went to Western Cape and then came to KwaZulu Natal and went went to Gauteng, but not too much in Gauteng. Uh, and uh, that was, you know, I, I would say about twice as bad as the first strain. And then comes along this. Uh, then we had the uh, we had the alpha strain which was uh, detected in the UK. Uh, and uh, that strain was also quite a severe strain. And that strain also uh, was very similar to the, our beta strain in South Africa, uh, where it was about twice as fast spreading as the original virus. Then we had the Delta strain, which is now coming from India, the first detected in India. And, and now it has spread to 85 countries in the world. 85 countries have got, see how this virus spreads. From one country, the variant has spread to 85 countries in the world, and we've got it in South Africa as well. And so this variant is a little different again now. And remember I said that the virus mutates to make itself more, um, to spread faster so that it can infect more people. That's how it survives. So this one now, the Delta strain now is twice as much as fast as the beta strain. So it's about four times as fast as the original coronavirus that we had last year in March, April, uh, March, April, May last year. So you can imagine how fast this thing is spreading. And you can see what's happening. You, you can see that one, mem one person gets it, the whole family gets it. Within a, within a few days, the whole family's got it. Uh, and, uh, and one member of the family goes out and meets with somebody else to go to a restaurant, 
the mutual uh, like the study that was done recently last week or the week before uh, seven seven friends went to a restaurant uh, to have a meal one of them had the had the virus with them asymptomatic didn't know that they had the virus that's a danger person that and 40% of people who have coronavirus have asymptomatic virus that means a person doesn't know that they've got the virus but they spread the virus very dangerous situation so this person went for dinner and uh, uh, with uh, with six other people, and they had dinner, and and uh, he he developed COVID the next day, and he, he, and then he informed his friends that look, I, I had COVID, and please, you know what, you need to uh, isolate because you came into contact with me, with me last night, and two days later, they all had COVID, every one of them, all seven of them, uh, in the restaurant that that went to the restaurant. So you see how fast it spreads. It is very contagious. It is very very. Uh, it is very. Uh, um, uh, it can, it can, it doesn't require much effort for it to spread to another person. Uh, I know there's a hadith that uh, Rasulullah says that there is no such thing as contagion, but that same hadith continues and says, "Run from the leper." So our, our ulama need to get together and find out the hadith is not wrong. Uh, the hadith is right. Allah Taala uh, uh, has given us a way in which Rasulullah's hadiths are genuine. The authentic hadiths of Rasulullah are never wrong, absolutely never wrong. So this hadith is not wrong, just that it needs an interpretation. And it needs an interpretation. The, the ulama, instead of uh, uh, taking a part of the hadith and, and discussing it, they should take the whole hadith and put the heads together and work out what does what did Rasulullah mean when he First of all, says that this is there is no such thing as contagion, and then on the, in the same hadith he says, "Run from the leper," because we know leprosy is contagious also. So uh, I, I think we need to to join those two and work out. And I think Mufti Ibrahim Desai has come out with the best explanation, uh, where he says that uh, the contagion, contagious uh, disease can only spread with the with the will of Allah Subhanahu Wa Otherwise, it cannot spread. It has to. It has to have uh, the permission of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala and Allah Taala. Allah Taala's method of spreading, and Allah Taala makes it go wherever it goes. And the variants that come out is all due to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Uh, we are uh, the scientists are just looking at what's actually happening. It's all the work of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala in the background, uh, trying to achieve what Allah Taala wants to achieve. And we don't know what Allah Taala wants to achieve, so we just make dua to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala that He does what is best for us whatever is best for us uh, that he must do for us and uh, we, we need to not fear this virus uh, if we get it whether we take precautions or we don't take precautions uh, we we will uh, if we get it it comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but if we don't take precautions what we are really doing is we are telling Allah ta'ala give it to me if you want to uh, you know like I will say if you want to give it to me give it to me that's not the right way to do it I from my perspective from a medical perspective, I would say that you take your precautions. Like we take precautions with everything else, we must take our precautions and we must take maximum precautions. If Allah Ta'ala wants to give it to us, no matter how much precautions we take, we can be in a in a in a high up on a building, right up in the sky, and Allah Ta'ala wants to give it to us, He'll give it to us, even if we are all alone. So mm -hmm. this is the this is the thing that we medical people are telling people: please take precautions because we can see how fast this Delta strain is spreading. Uh, Doc, you know uh, I like your 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 passion there, and I really you know it reminds me of an anecdote. I mean, we as insan, we are fallible. We'll be uh, you know we we will make mistakes, uh, trial and error. And you know that's why we're known as insan that uh, someone that makes an error all the time, but he asks for, for forgiveness from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. You made a very valid point. Uh, maybe our religious leaders, uh, you know, uh, ha should get together and come with one solid. Uh, a fatwa perhaps on, on, on this issue and you know then there's the other argument uh, people will say why is there so many varying differences of opinion and theories concerning the COVID pandemic amongst as you spoke religious scholars having differences of opinion and uh, doc, uh, doc let's be realistic scientists and also some medical practitioners are having uh, you know uh, different opinions uh, you know, when compared to mainstream and what's been put out there and what's happening on the ground. Uh, your thoughts on that, Doc? See, the, uh, there's always difference of opinion in, in any field. You can take any 
any any field uh, that you would think of, there will be people who will differ uh, according to how their thinking is, and we must accept it. Uh, we must expect accept the differences of opinion. That's that's not a problem. Uh, but you see, those differences of opinion must be based on fact. You can't, you know, it's like, like, like let's, let's take the hadiths. If the hadith is authentic and there's a difference of opinion on the authentic hadith, it's acceptable because you are, you are trying to tease out, you're trying to work out what Rasulullah meant and what is the right thing to do. So there may be maybe two or three different things that different people would interpret it as, but it's an authentic hadith. But if you take an, a, 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 a hadith that's made up, uh, it's not authentic, it's, 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 a, uh, it's a fabricated hadith. And then you take the fabricated hadith, and then you, 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 are, you are creating a difference of opinion with the people who are arguing with you with an authentic hadith. How can that be? How can, how can you argue or how can you have a, a difference of opinion with somebody who's talking haq, uh, which is uh, authentic hadith, and who, the other one was talking about a fabricated hadith. The same fee, in the same way, this is the problem that we are facing in the medical world at the moment. Uh, it's social media that's creating the problem. Everybody has become an expert. Everybody who's unqualified has, 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 has um, become an expert. So what they do, uh, they go on to TikTok uh, videos, uh, they go on to give their opinion, and then and, and they make it look very authentic. Uh, you'll find that there will be a desk there and there will be a person dressed up, all dressed up neatly as if it's a newsroom, as if it's a newsroom. But there are no markings on the wall. There are no markings on the microphone, no markings on the desk, which means that it's an unknown situation. It's not like uh, we'll have SABC written, written in the back or SABC written on the microphone or SABC written on the table. Here you'll find nothing written anywhere. So that means... It's an unauthenticated uh, news, newscast. That's the first sign that you should look for. It means that you, you are now listening to somebody's opinion. It's not fact. It's you're listening to somebody's opinion. And in that opinion, the person is going to give you information that goes completely against, against what's authentic. It will give you information about something that is against what uh, scientists all over the world are saying. And they will tell you that all these scientists are collaborating with each other and foxing you. They are all uh, du duping you. They are all confusing you. Uh, that's what the message they will give you. They'll do, they will do as if they, what they are saying is a genuine truth. And what everybody else is saying is all wrong. They are, they've got agendas. They're all ganging together against you. They're all uh, uh, trying to hoodwink you. But just think about it, Shafat. Will the scientists from America, Russia, China, Australia, New Zealand, Germany, France, you think they're all, and South Africa, you think they'll all be colluding with each other and uh, making up a story about this thing here? And it's, it's really, really, really far-fetched. Far-fetched to think that uh, scientists will all meet one day in a corner somewhere or, or, or have a Zoom meeting and say, no, we are going to do this, we are going to say this, we are going to... There's no conspiracy. Everybody is trying their best to get this virus under control. And, that's, and, and, and they are trying to find as much evidence as possible to see what this virus is doing and where we are going with this virus. These people who are coming out with these theories, these one-man shows on YouTubes and TikTok videos, they are coming out with their own opinion. Of course, we have dissenters in every, uh, uh, in every uh, profession, and so we have medical people also coming out uh, with their own stories. And remember, we're dealing with different people with different uh, uh, backgrounds. We're dealing with people with different mental conditions. There may be paranoid people that, 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 is, that are talking there. Paranoid people think that the whole world is against them. And so they will be, they will be looking for things uh, to justify what they're saying. Uh, so they will, they will go against what the people are saying all over the world and, and pick their own theory, which is not proven, 
and and they will make it sound as if it's very very authentic and as if they know something that nobody else knows only we know nobody else knows all the scientists in the world can't pick this one up but 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 we are we are saying that this the other word they use now is whistleblower that's another common word that they use they say he is a whistleblower because he saw there was a conspiracy in the company and he's a whistleblower telling us what's actually happening in that company it's as if again telling you that they know something that the whole world doesn't know so that's a conspiracy theory and yeah, uh, people who, people who are in this conspiracy theory uh, if they really really deny the conspiracy theory they are stuck in it and there are some uh, there are some websites which promote conspiracy theories and those websites have links to other websites which promote conspiracy theories and so once you get jammed up in one uh, website which is a conspiracy theory website you will be taken to other conspiracy theory websites and to others and to others and you will be really jammed up in them not knowing what is the truth and what is not the truth and in the end you will be fighting against people who are trying their best to 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 do their best to get this virus under control yeah, and there's also the perception that the South African government was slow to react and uh, uh, that uh, they should have implemented uh, more harsher laws uh, uh, earlier on, uh, you know, uh, banning alcohol and, uh, you know, uh, the rollout of the vaccine, the very slow on the, on the take. And uh, it uh, seems like even uh, the uh, uh, President Ramaphosa has uh, lost uh, the public confidence. Uh, they take him not too seriously. If you look at the public, all uh, not wearing masks, uh, you know, no social distancing. Julius Malema coming out and uh, you know flaunting himself there without mask, and he said, "No people come out and do." So we have a, a stupendous problem in this country, Doc. I want you to keep that in the back of your mind when we get back from the break. I want you to address these issues. Uh, you know, is government culpable? in what's happening in this country. Let's go and do some shopping. You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Yes, uh, the show is uh, Medical Files. And uh, you know what? I can tell you something. Dr. Farooq Hafiji, he's a senior family physician. He's been through the tapestry of life. He's seen many changes, many scenarios. And, you know, alhamdulillah, admitting that you get a differences of opinion and uh, some people are opinionated, but to see the reality on the ground is important. Uh, before the break, I posed a medley of questions uh, to doctor about uh, the government being uh, a bit too slow in the rollout of uh, the vaccination, perhaps uh, uh, Cyril Ramaphosa are not taken uh, seriously now uh, because of the infighting in the ANC. He has to put that right, and the poor man has to come out and even fight the pandemic. And also Julius um, um, Malema or right-wing party is making it difficult for uh, you know the country to implement uh, what has to be done. Your thoughts on that, uh, Dr. Farooq Hafiji? Uh, yes, uh, you know there are certain things that we need to look at. And that is, uh, this government has, you know, this is unprecedented for any government in the world, uh, this sort of situation. And and, and the main reason why uh, we're going to lockdown and the main reason why uh, the government uh, tells us to take precautions and uh, and uh, uh, and uh, save our elderly people and people who are vulnerable uh, is to try and uh, not overload the medical systems. Uh, we know people are going to get sick with this virus, and a lot of people are going to end up in hospital, and uh, and a lot of people are going to die. Uh, but uh, if we don't take precautions, the health uh, the health uh, facilities uh, will become overstrained, and you find people dying on the street, dying on the roads, and dying in cars, and and simply because uh, the, the 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 facilities all over the, the country will become overwhelmed. It's just like what we see in Gauteng at the moment. We, have, we are not seeing people dying on the road yet, on the streets, but you can see that there are no beds available in the hospitals anymore. Uh, people are now uh, being treated in ambulances. Uh, ambulances are waiting three, four hours in a queue outside the hospital, waiting for a bed, waiting for somebody to bed, get discharged or somebody to pass away so that the bed becomes available so the patient can go into hospital. That's the state at the moment in Gauteng. Uh, people people may not be aware of this, but this is actually what's happening. And that's why the government had to step in and do something. Okay, so we, we, we see when, we, when the figures were rising to about 8,000 a day, 7,000, 8,000 a day, the medical fraternity told the government that, look, do something now. Stop 
stop the spread from now. And most of those uh, uh, cases were coming from Gauteng. And uh, uh, we were saying stop interprovincial um, travel, stop the stop travel from Gauteng in and out, isolate Gauteng uh, from other provinces so that you can deal with the virus in Gauteng and not allow it to go to any other um, uh, province. Uh, but then the government was worried about uh, the economic strain, people losing their jobs. Uh, so they, they, they dragged their feet a bit and uh, only started doing it now uh, when we are reaching 16, 17,000, 18,000 uh, per day. But Shafat, I must tell you that these numbers uh, are low compared to what the reality is because uh, normally uh, people go on, when they have symptoms, they go and test and then, the, and then they get the results. Now, these tests are sent to the central uh, collecting uh, uh, in the Department of Health as central collecting point where, where all the figures from the country are collated and then they give you a figure. So these are figures of people who have already tested, but there are many, many, many people who are not testing. So if one person in the family becomes positive and there are four or five others in the family, they all get the same symptoms, the other four or five are not going for testing. So the government doesn't know these figures. They, so they, they're not giving these figures out because nobody knows. Uh, only those people who've got the disease know that, you know, my, uh, my brother had it and he came home with it. And my, my mother, my father, my, my uncle, my auntie and myself, and we all got it. So we didn't go for a test because we knew it was COVID because my brother had it. You see, so this is happening in a large way all over. This is what's happening. And so that figure of 16,000 or 18,000 that you hear about, or, and now, of course, it's dropped down much lower, you can multiply that safely by about three or four uh, to get the correct figure. So if you're looking at 18,000, you're looking at 70,000. The, re the reality is 70,000 infected uh, in, in the country. So, uh, so, uh, we must, so, so that's the reason why health facilities are becoming inundated with uh, sick people. But so, so the government was a bit slow, but, but they had other issues to deal with. And they were trying to balance, they were in the balancing act, trying to work out uh, what to do now. And they are hoping that the figures would come down. But I think the government's uh, um, advertising of uh, what we call non-pharmaceutical methods of, uh, of control of this virus, uh, non-pharmaceutical methods are washing your hands with soap and water, keeping your mask on correctly, covering your nose and your mouth while you are in public or, or in a gathering. and physical distancing from each other, no shaking hands, no, uh, no uh, hugging, and uh, no contact, no holding hands. Uh, and so if this was adhered to by the public, if everyone did this in, this in the whole country, then we would be able to stop the virus from spreading. And this is the only way that we know all over the world. It's not a conspiracy. We know that this is the only way to keep the virus away. Uh, we know that from uh, scientists who have worked, they are not collab collaborating with each other. They've got no agendas. Uh, they are not with Bill Gates and all those other people with, vi with vaccines and all that. We are talking about genuine reasons why this virus can be contained if all of us just adhere to this. Don't have fam big family dinners. Don't have gatherings. Don't have uh, uh, big family meetings. You are just going to spread the virus. That's what happened at Eid. When Eid came, and that's the reason, that's how it spread in uh, Azadville, from Eid. From, from Eid and from the people who got infected in the masjid uh, with Itikaf. They came out to their families, gave it to their families, their families gave it to other families, and so it spread and spread and spread. That's why we had such a devastating situation in, in Azadville after Ramadan. Uh, so... So the government has been saying, and, and, and the president has been saying with every talk of his, uh, that's why he said in the last meeting, it's like a broken record. He keeps saying, keep your masks on, keep your physical distance away, away from each other, and make sure you, you practice hand hygiene. Wash your hands. If you, if you don't have water, sanitize. Uh, and so in that way, you can keep the virus away. But people are not listening anymore. Uh, they are they they are actually laughing at the president, but in fact, that's that's the only way we have 
of containing this virus. So the government was in a situation where uh, this where people are becoming too complacent and they are not following guidelines. They're not following these simple guidelines. Uh, and so the government had to do something. Uh, so what, what they've done is put us in this lockdown. For us, as far as we're concerned, it should have happened about a week or two earlier, not now, uh, because now the virus has gone really gone out of control in Gauteng and it's expected to, to rise even further. And then, of course, the other thing that we discovered is that the Delta strain uh, is the one that's, that's, that's growing in KwaZulu-Natal. Uh, it's, it's growing drastically. The new infections that are coming up is a Delta strain that's driving it. And in fact, the Gauteng one, uh, they've also discovered that it's most likely the Delta strain uh, that's uh, driving uh, the, the epidemic there in, 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 in Gauteng. Uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, the Delta strain is not in all the provinces. It's in the Western Cape, it's in KwaZulu-Natal, uh, and it's, it's, it's in Gauteng. Other provinces are spared from it. But no doubt, this virus of the, of the Delta strain spreads so fast that within a few weeks, the whole of South Africa uh, will have the Delta strain. Uh, and, and, and so, uh, you know, uh, what, what the government is doing is, is trying to balance between uh, saving lives uh, and saving uh, people from going to hospital, and also at the same time uh, uh, trying trying to uh, balance the economy so that people don't lose their jobs and uh, people can survive. And of course, uh, the rollout of the vaccine has been a, another disaster. Uh, the first one, the AstraZeneca vaccine, uh, now in hindsight uh, should have been given to people because now we know that if you mix vaccines, uh, the immunity that you get uh, is far better than taking a single vaccine. So if people, if we did, if we did use the AstraZeneca vaccine at that time, although it didn't, it didn't, uh, it didn't work for the beta strain that we had in December and January, uh, it would have still boosted our immunity. Uh, and and if we had one more injection of either the J and J or the Pfizer uh, injection uh, vaccines that are going around at the moment, it would have boosted up our immunity uh, to to the uh, for this specific virus. Remember vaccines. Vaccines boost our immunity. I think people don't understand this, uh, and they say that you you drink something foreign and you drink something uh, something that uh, that is against what Allah Taala has created. Uh, in that case, uh, we shouldn't be taking any immune boosters. We shouldn't take any immune boosters that uh, people take, uh, because the vaccine is an immune booster. It boosts the immune for a, for a particular organism. It boosts your immune to tackle a particular disease, like like the polio, like the flu, whatever it is. It targets that disease. They are very specific. Uh, the vaccine boosts your immunity, in this case, to fight the coronavirus. It, it, it's your own immunity. All it's doing is, is boosting it to fight the coronavirus. So uh, the, the government has been very strong in trying to uh, implement this, but they had a, they had a few drawbacks, and it's not their fault uh, because they ordered 20 million doses of the J and J vaccine uh, uh, about February or March, uh, which was supposed to be delivered at the end of April of uh, 20 million uh, vaccine uh, of the J and J. But what happened is uh, at the Baltimore factory where they were making this J and J vaccine, uh, there was a problem uh, with the production. Uh, there was contamination of 60 million vaccines. And now again, the conspiracy theorists will say uh, nobody knows what's happening with these vaccines. They are produced, uh, uh, you know, under, under shady conditions and all that. All not true. It's all not true because there's, a, there's constant vigilance on the factories that manufacture these vaccines for their safety. So these vaccines, every batch that is produced by the, by the company has to be sent for testing. Every batch that they produce has to be sent for testing, authenticated, making sure that what they say is inside, is inside, that they haven't added anything more, they haven't taken out anything more, and that there is no contamination of the vaccine. Uh, this is a standard practice in every country. And in our country, SAPRA does this. S-A-H-P-R-A, SAPRA does it, and that's our regulatory body. And every batch of, of, of vaccine or whatever medicine comes in, uh, it goes. It has to go through there for it to be uh, uh, to, for it to be um, checked and 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 made safe for the people in the, in the country. So in in that 
In that way, it was picked up that the Baltimore, that the Baltimore factory had contaminated 60 million of those J&J vaccines, and 20 million of those vaccines were earmarked for South Africa. So we didn't get those because they had to destroy them. So now, uh, and South Africa was relying on those 20 million to come. Uh, it's like you're relying, you're, you're relying on an order, and now it doesn't turn up, and you didn't order anything else. Uh, so now you're shot, and that's what's actually happened here. And that's why they had to, uh, and, and they were expecting the Pfizer vaccine to come in, and the Pfizer vaccine came in in batches of 300,000, and that's what they're using at the moment. We're getting about 300,000 every week or every 10 days, and that's what we are using at the moment. So it's a slow process, and that's the reason why the whole vaccine process has slowed down. Yes, sir, Doctor. Very graphic indeed. And uh, Alhamdulillah, speaking from his heart. And uh, yeah, as you said, you'll have different people opinionated. But Alhamdulillah, uh, Jazakallah Khair for your viewpoint there, Doctor. And uh, fast forwarding, you know, we had uh, promoted your program uh, for this evening, and uh, many questions just come through. Um, you know, reading this one, it says, uh, "Can water suffice as a sanitizer?" I just can't stand the thought of alcohol touching my hands, uh, Doctor. How do you react to that questioner? This, uh, the water is fine to wash off dirt from your hand, but you have to have soap to kill the virus or the bacteria because the virus has an outer fat cover, and you, we know that soap emulsifies fat. So you, you have oil, and you put soap on it, and it emulsifies it. It makes it disappear. And you can see, you can take, uh, you can take an oily frying pan and put some dishwashing liquid in it and, and swirl it around a little bit, and you'll see that dishwashing liquid has emulsified the fat. It, 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 just, it, it takes the fat away. That's exactly what happens uh, with the virus. With the coronavirus especially, it's got a cover. It's got a fat covering. And so if you use soap uh, on your hands and keep it there for at least 20 seconds, uh, you will find that your, whatever virus you have in your hands, between, in your nails, uh, between your fingers, uh, around your thumb, around your nails, uh, all those viruses will be dead. Uh, with the 20 seconds, just 20 seconds of using a soap. But water alone will not kill the virus. It will make the virus grow more because the virus depends on water to stay a little longer on surfaces. Therefore, whatever, whatever surfaces you have uh, and the virus is there, it will survive longer. And that's why we have a problem with voodoo facilities where people are sneezing and coughing and, and spluttering. And if they've got the coronavirus, uh, they are leaving. They are, they are going to be leaving the virus in the water, wherever it is, on the taps and on the handles, and 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 of course that virus is going to survive longer because there's water there. Uh, that's the reason why Wudu Khanas are, 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 are advised to close uh, during this uh, COVID time uh, because of the spread of the coronavirus in water. But uh, it won't kill. The water won't kill it. So you need soap with it, uh, Shafat. Jazakallah khair for that, Doc, uh, making sense there. You don't have to use sanitizer. You don't have to use sanitizer. You can just use soap. The reason why the sanitizer is there is if you are in a position where you think you may have been contaminated and you've got no soap and no water around you. So now what do you do? And that's, a, that's where we say that you should sanitize your hand because we know that 70% alcohol will also kill the virus. So we... We're saying that you must use the alcohol-based sanitizer only when it's necessary, uh, where, when you don't have soap and water available. Well, I tell you what, I carry my own small bottle. Yeah, Doc, I make my own concoction. I took your idea, some soap and some water, mix it yes. like that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I've got a very extensive one here. So, oh, okay, go through. Abu You can also use liquid soap in a little container. Yes. And put the liquid soap, liquid soap as it is, without dilution on your hand. Uh, when you come into contact with somebody that you think you may, may, may be a bit suspicious that you may have contacted, you may have picked up a virus, you just take some of that liquid soap and rub it on your hand and around your hand, on the back of your hand, in between your fingers and around your nails, and just leave it like that for about uh, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, and wipe it with the tissue, and you've got the soap on your hand, it'll kill the virus. Well, you've got a tip there from uh, Doc. Abu Pei says, uh, Assalamu alaikum. Uh, such a draconian laws. Uh, six months in jail for those are breaking lockdown rules. But robbers and murders, uh, murderers get away uh, scot-free. What is a uh, doctor's views? Uh, Doc, how do you react to Abu Pei there? Yeah, you see, uh, at the beginning, 
the last lockdown, it wasn't a criminal offence. The government uh, didn't make these things, these rules, these regulations a criminal offence, but they found that uh, people were not uh, following these rules. Uh, they said no gatherings, and people were still having gatherings. No, ga no gatherings with ma without masks, and people are still gathering without masks. They're defying the rules uh, that the government has put in place. Now, these rules are not government rules. These are international health regulations. They are, the government is just taking those health regulations from all over the world. Every part of the world is practicing the same, the same thing because that's the thing that works. So why invent something else when we know that this works? So that's the reason why. So it's not to say, oh, the government is trying to make us do things that the government wants us to do. And no, it's not that. It's, it's a health regulation that the government is trying to instill in people. But, but people were not following. They, they were told to do it, but they are not following. People are still meeting in gatherings. They are still meeting. Uh, they are defying government regulations, actually openly defying government regulations. And so the government had to think of something to do to, 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 strengthen, uh, to strengthen the regulation. And the, the thing they did is they made it into a criminal offense. Uh, and, and of course, if you think about it, Shafat, if you are carrying the coronavirus with you without you knowing that you've got it, uh, you are an asymptomatic carrier, or you may have symptoms. Uh, you may have symptoms, you're coughing and you're sneezing and, and uh, you're spreading the virus. And now you go into a gathering and you give it to a vulnerable person in that gathering, an elderly person who's got high blood pressure or diabetes, and that person goes and he dies. We know he dies because of the will of Allah SWT, but you gave it to him. Isn't that murder? If you think about it. Mm. Yeah. So that's how the government is looking at it. The government is saying that those people who are not following these rules are actually acting like murderers, going into the community uh, and, and going into gatherings without a mask and, and spreading this virus all over the place and causing other people to get sick. Uh, okay, okay, we know 80%, 85% of people who get this disease get better without any problems whatsoever. They have a mild illness, they're sick for about a week and they get better. We're worrying about the 15% of people who get very severely sick, end up with long-term health problems and also two or three percent of them dying uh, uh, from from this virus. So, and if you willfully go and spread this knowingly that you are not following the health guidelines that, that the government has put into place and the international uh, uh, international health authorities have put into place, you're defying it and you go there and you spread this virus. Of course, you are acting irresponsibility is is, is irresponsible, and you are also causing debt to people which is completely against our Sharia. We are not supposed to cause this problem to anybody else. We are not supposed to harm anybody else. This is very, very strong, and it's a farz in Islam not to cause them uh, death to anybody, not to cause harm to anybody. Yeah, a good point there. And, you know, uh, on a lighter note, uh, robbers and murderers, when they go into a situation, they always have their mask on or their uh, balaclavas, and they go and... Uh, perpetrate this murder. Uh, yes. no, hey, you sharp yes. there. Anyway, yes. moving on, uh, Saifullah Qadr says, uh, my eyes are waters most of the time. I have rubbed a karishma balm on my forehead and cheekbones, and it seems to work. What is a doctor's opinion? And I know many people are buying this karishma balm, a doctor for uh, COVID, uh, you know, just to get COVID away from their nostrils and so forth. Your reaction? So, Shafat, I am I'm not aware of Karishma Bam. I really don't know what the ingredients are in it. Uh, so I, I'm <laughs> unable to answer that question. If you tell okay. me what's inside, maybe I'll be able to, able to help you. Yeah, you've got uh, eucalyptus oil and uh, a few other things. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's quite a powerful thing. And you'll get it at the Alansara bookshop. Beautiful, uh, sold out. Oh. Actually sold out. The price went up from 60 rands to now it's gone to 75 rands. And people are... They're cleaning the shelves out. Okay, we you will look we look into that, Doc. And uh, Jazakallah Khaira, Saifullah Qadr. If it works for you, okay, Doc says he doesn't know much about it. I got a bottle, but I'll have to go home and pick it up. <laughs> okay, this question says, my family has many senior members. Two have succumbed to COVID-related uh, issues. They went to the hospital, and uh, they went to the hospital. It says uh, another two 
who self uh, isolated at home and uh, recovered. Subhanallah, we enjoying uh, uh, we enjoy your rapport whenever Dr. Farooq Hafiji comes. What I'm trying to get here, he says, two that went to the hospital succumbed, means that they passed on. The other two that's uh, senior members that self-isolated at home, they recovered, subhanAllah. What's your thoughts on that, uh, Doc? Yes, what's, uh, what we find happening is that uh, uh, people, uh, people they, have, they have different degrees of illness, there's different stages of the illness. And uh, most people recover, as I said. Uh, and uh, uh, most people, they can be treated at home if they have oxygen available and if they are under the care of a, of a, of a medical uh, practitioner who, who, can, who treats COVID. Um, and uh, with the correct medication and with oxygen, they can be treated outside. That's why there's such a big drive to get oxygen concentrators all over. And in fact, uh, the IMA has sent uh, from Durban, they have sent over 50 uh, oxygen concentrators to Gauteng uh, to help them there uh, to try and keep people out of hospital. That's what we're trying to do, uh, keep people out of hospital so, and treat them at home uh, with the same medications that we treat people in the hospital, but out of, out of hospital and uh, until they run out of a situation where the oxygen concentrator is not enough to sustain the oxygen levels in the blood, in which case they now have to go into hospital for high flow oxygen. High flow oxygen, the concentrator cannot give you high flow oxygen. So you come to a point where, uh, despite the use of the oxygen concentrator, the person's oxygen levels in the blood still start dropping. And then they, that's an indication for them to go into hospital, which means that the disease is becoming more severe, the lungs are getting more damaged, and there's not enough capacity for the lung uh, to absorb oxygen from the, from the oxygen that is being given from the oxygen concentrator. They need higher doses of oxygen, high flow oxygen. Uh, and, and of course, uh, in, in hospital, again, they'll go into different stages, high flow oxygen. And if that doesn't work, and, they, and on high flow oxygen, if the oxygen level drops, they'll go on to CPAP. They put them on the CPAP machine, uh, which gives them a higher amount of oxygen under pressure. Uh, and uh, uh, and then if they sustain themselves with that and they start improving, then they go backwards to high high flow oxygen. Then, then if they sustain themselves on that, and then they go back onto the oxygen concentrator and slowly they come off the oxygen concentrator. So that's the pattern of, of, of management. But in some people, of course, when they come to the CPAP machine, they go to a high flow oxygen level. Uh, it doesn't work. The oxygen level still drops. Then, they, then the doctors put them on the CPAP machine, which is... Uh, 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 another form of uh, high pressure oxygen, uh, and and if that doesn't work, uh, then there there are the other methods that that, uh, that that are being used. But ultimately, when all these fail and the person's oxygen level is still not being maintained, and the organs are beginning to die, then and then only are people put onto ventilators. The last resort, they are put onto ventilators. Now, once you put on the ventilators, people say that you die if you put on the ventilators. That's not true. 50% of people survive on ventilators. And the reason why people are put onto ventilators is because if you don't put them onto ventilators, they'll die. Because on, on, on really, really the highest oxygen level that, that the hospital can deliver to the patient, uh, the blood level, oxygen level still keeps dropping, which means that if you don't put them on a ventilator, they'll die. Uh, because their organs will die. But if you put them on a ventilator, 50% of them will survive. So we take the chance and say, look, we don't know who Allah Ta'ala is going to take. Allah Ta'ala doesn't. We, don't, we are not judges. We, are, we don't say, no, uh, you know, we, we don't want to do it because only half of them are surviving. We say, no, half of them are surviving. We can save half of these people. So let's put them on a ventilator. And, and at the end of the day, you'll you find if you put uh, 100 people on a ventilator, 50, 50 of them will go home in the end. The other, 50, the other 50 people will perish. So it is still a chance that, that we need to take uh, to try and help people, to try and save lives. And that's our main objective. Uh, uh, that's, that's the work of the doctor, to try and make the person better, give them a better quality of life, and try and save them from dying. Of course, ultimately, it all depends on Allah SWT, but that doesn't mean we stop. We continue going until the end because uh, uh, we know that this is uh, Allah Ta'ala's decree, and if Allah Ta'ala makes the person suffer and suffer 
and then brings them out of it, uh, it's Allah Ta'ala's way of cleansing that person. But if Allah Ta'ala makes that person suffer and suffer and takes a person away, only Allah Ta'ala knows why that happens. But we, as medical practitioners, we don't, we, we, we just go and, and, and do the best we can. If the person survives, Alhamdulillah. If the person passes away, Alhamdulillah. Because either way, uh, it's Allah Ta'ala's decree. So we, we just try our best and leave it to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala to decide what to do. So people have this wrong notion that if they go to hospital, they will die. The majority of people who go to hospital go home. Well, there, there's only a, a, a percentage of people who go to hospital and, and, and they don't survive. And, and now, if, now we know, now we have found out also that the reason why people get into serious trouble in hospital, where we're having a problem trying to put them on oxygen and trying to get them high on higher, higher oxygen, is because they're coming too late to hospital. If they come early to hospital, the management becomes much easier. It's, it's much easier, and those people don't spend much time in hospital. The earlier you go to hospital, the faster you'll come out of hospital. The, uh, the later you go to hospital, you are going to get into serious trouble, and you'll probably end up with a ventilator. So that's the reason why we're encouraging people, don't be scared of the hospital. Go to hospital early so that you can come out early and not spend four or five weeks in hospital. Dr. Farooq Afaji, absolutely, mashallah, jazakallah, from the heart, and Allah keep uh, you blessed all the time. We appreciate you, you know, whenever we call you, you are there to give your advice. Are your parting words uh, this evening? I, I, I tell people, you know, you, you, we need to take this virus very seriously. We know it comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We, we need to ask ourselves, why, why has Allah ta'ala sent this? And I think we know, we know from the way the world was going. Look what has happened now. All the entertainment uh, facilities are all closed. All the casinos, casinos are closed. All alcohol places are closed. What a thing for us Muslims. It's actually the way the Sharia is. Uh, every place that are of, of uh, things that are against Sharia are all closed. And that's all Allah Ta'ala's doings. And we need to appreciate that. And now we need to find out, each one of us needs to find out what can we do to assist Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. What assistance does Allah Ta'ala need from us? Well, and we need to make a lot of istighfar. We need to make a lot of zikr, zikrullah, try and get as close to Allah Ta'ala as possible. Most the masajids are all closed. So we need to make every home a masajid. We need to create an environment of, of, of piety in the house. We need to create an environment of, of love. We need to create an environment of salah, have a special room with salah, read Quran at home. And that's what we need to do to try and get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, and, and my, my, my last advice is, please, you know, we need to follow the health guidelines. We need to. Um, keep our hands clean at all times. We need to wear our mask properly. Put it around your nose and your mouth when you go into the into uh, into the into a gathering, and tell yourself that I'm doing that to protect other people because I don't know whether I've got the virus or not. I'm protecting other people. That's a niya that you use to use a mask. And to say that the mask is used by fire worshippers is all wrong. It's not right. It's not. It's not part of the fire worshippers ritual. The fire worshippers use a mask to stop themselves from inhaling smoke. It has nothing to do with the, with the actual uh, ritual of fire worshipping. In that case, uh, if that was the case, then we shouldn't light a fire. None of us should light a fire because the fire is associated with the fire worshippers. But uh, we, we don't look at it that way. We, we, we don't look at the fire being the problem. Or we look at the people being the, being the problem, not the mask. The mask is fine, so wear the mask because it has been shown that the mask, if you wear a mask, and especially if you wear a double mask, it protects you and it protects your, your neighbor about 90%. What a, what a beautiful way of trying to save another person from getting what you have. And of course, keep yourselves away from people, gatherings. You can be with each other in a family, and if you want to meet or be a, uh, an extended family, meet them outside, have a party outside, but try and watch how what you're touching and how, how, how and make sure your hands are, are washed very well before you start touching things and, and passing it to each other. And keep your distance away from people for the time being. It's not going to be forever. It's not going to be forever. It is really not, uh, uh, it, it's not something that's going to last forever. And I'm, I'm encouraging people to take the vaccine because the vaccine is an immune booster. It is not bad. It, 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 it has some side effects, but the side effects are minimal. 
the bad side effects are very rare. And very few people have died from the vaccine. All the stories that you hear on social media are not correct. They are all lies, misleading, and misinformation. So please make sure that you follow uh, proper advice and, and proper guidelines from people who you can trust. Jazakallah khair, Dr. Farooq Hafeji. Inshallah, I'll talk to you in the near future. You have a blessed evening ahead. And assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to you. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi Yes, sir, people, we go for the Isha Zan. And thereafter, pertin- pertinence punctuated will be joining us.